The following message was preached at Flint Hill Baptist Church. We would love for you to join us on Sundays for life groups and worship, or on Wednesdays for adult Bible study, kids, and youth activities. For more information, visit flinthill.net. All right, got your Bibles, open them up to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 this morning. Uh, we, are, we have been in a, a little series here talking about nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. And uh, kind of taking us all the way up through Easter. And of course the sacrifice that Christ has done for us. Let me just say this if I forget later. Uh, I hope all of you will gather with us this evening. We don't usually have an evening service, but we're going to have a couple of them coming up. And one is tonight at 6 o'clock. We will gather here. Uh, really, it's called our praise and prayer service. It's a time to just gather together and lift the Lord up, uh, but also to pray and uh, to gather in His name and to be able to do that. So we'll be here at 6. Just want to invite you. We also will have a Lord's Supper service on Palm Sunday. So put that on the calendar. hope you'll be here as we celebrate uh, all that Christ has done for us and the sacrifice that He paid on that cross in His death. Uh, all right, nothing but the blood. Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, I'm going to focus on verses 7 and 8, and this morning we're going to talk about forgiveness. Uh, the Lord has done much for us in His death on that cross, and we looked initially at re, uh, how He redeemed us and how last week how He atoned for our sins and the atonement, and today we're going to look at forgiveness. If you will, uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to focus on verse 7 and 8, but I want to back up uh, to, to verse 3. If y'all been with me on Wednesday night, you know that verse 3 through uh, 14 is one long sentence in the Greek New Testament. And really Paul unloading here with the church at Ephesus just a, uh, a rich theological statement. But we're going to just jump in here. Look, look with me in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And he begins to share those. Verse 4. He chose us in him before the creation of the world. To be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ. In accordance with His pleasure and will. To the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. Verse 7, here it is. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. In accordance with His riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. When I get into this uh, message this morning, it's about forgiveness. I'm telling you what, it is a, it is a blessing uh, today. I, I will say this again with the psalmist. Blessed is the person whose sins are forgiven. Amen? They're covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. I hope that's your testimony today. I will tell you as a person who was lost, dead in their sins, I am so thankful for the Lord's grace and His forgiveness. One, one good definition about forgiveness of sin, it's really the, it's in pardoning sin. In other words, God absolves. That means he does away with the, the condemnation of the law. In other words, uh, how, how does he do that? It's on the account of the finished work of Christ on the cross. It's in his death. We looked at that last week. He satisfied forever and atoned for our sin. Not only that, he removes the guilt of sin. Man, what a beautiful picture here. In other words, we actually, I mean, whether you realize this or not, we are the ones liable. We're the ones who should have paid our debt, paid, our, uh, paid the penalty of our sin. We are the ones who are held responsible. But thanks be to God that in Christ Jesus, Jesus died for us. Amen. And what a beautiful thing. Yeah, thank you, bro. It's a beautiful testimony. 
I hope we can all testify to that this morning. And all sin is forgiven freely. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's by an act of grace that we are freed from this guilt and the penalty of our sins. And that's what the gospel is all about. Uh, you know, in Acts chapter 13, verses, uh, thir- in verse 38, uh, Paul makes this statement. He says, therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that it is through, it is through Jesus Christ the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Church, hear, hear me. Hear this. Please hear this today. There's only one way a person's sins are forgiven. Period. Atone for it. It's only in Christ alone. It's not by good works. It's not by your good looks. I know some of y'all are good looking and you're like, oh yeah. It's not how much money you make or how much difference you make in this world. It is only by God's grace through the finished work of Christ on the cross that we can stand here and be here today and declare our sins have been forgiven. Blessed be the name of the Lord. All right, so there's several things here. First and foremost, I want to I I speak to, if you're following me, making notes, whatever, the foundation of God's forgiveness, because we've got to look at the foundation. How, how, what, 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 is the, what is the foundation of God's forgiveness? First and foremost, it's in redemption. Now, I'm not going to re-preach a message I preached before, how we were redeemed. Uh, in, 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 by the blood of Jesus, but redemption brings forgiveness. In fact, there are some people here today, I'm not, not necessarily here, but here in our society today that say that we can't be blamed for our sin. In other words, uh, there's, a, there's a common thought today that says, no, 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 you can't be blamed for it. It's the fault of, uh, of maybe where you were born, your environment, your parents, it's somebody else's fault. It's certainly not your own. To be honest with you, the scripture is clear that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we're all held accountable to that. Uh, the truth is that, that the idea of redemption, there was a price that had to be paid for our sin. And he paid that price. Christ Jesus himself. That's the sacrifice of Christ. When we look to Easter, there's no Easter without the death of Christ. There's no resurrection. We talk about resurrection Sunday. Friend, he went to a tomb and died on our behalf in our stead, that's the substitutionary atonement, for us. Man, I hope we never grow old with that. I mean, that, that, that we would be thankful day to day. Thanks be to God that I have life now and forevermore because God paid a price for me and for my sin. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, redemption brings forgiveness. Now, the second thing about the foundation of God's forgiveness, we need to remind ourselves about the Day of Atonement. Now, we mentioned some of this last week as far as uh, the atonement, we looked at that for sure. But on the Day of Atonement, let me remind you, this was Israel's greatest holy day. Probably mispronouncing it, Riyam Kippur, the Day of Atonement. It was on this day in the history of Israel that the high priest right, selected two unblemished sacrificial goats or lambs. And he would take one of those, uh, uh, and he literally took one, one was killed, and the blood was sprinkled on the altar. We looked at that, the mercy seat, and he did that. He went into the Holy of Holies and sp- sprinkled that blood. It was, a, it was a way to appease the wrath of God, but also a way to avoid or to remove the guilt, uh, the sin of the people. The other one, the goat, stayed alive. And literally, the high priest would take that goat outside of the temple and place his hands on that goat. And symbolically, laying the hands on the goat was a way that literally... He would put his hands on this animal and he would pray the sins of the people and they would take that goat way out into the wilderness, way far away that that goat would never come back. And the picture was this, the symbol was this, that that goat never came back again. Uh, you can see this in Leviticus 16, 7 through 10. It was beautiful and the meaning was beautiful and it was symbolic. 
And it was the idea that God was taking their sin, removing the sin of the people way away, far away. It was providing forgiveness. In, in other words, now, now look, you understand this, that the blood of goats didn't save once and for all, for sure. They had to continue doing this. Now, I want to remind you that the scripture that we read, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin in accordance to the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us, right? One, and the next thing I want to say is that God's forgiveness is foundational and it's rooted in, in what, what, what I'm going to use the word infinite. In other words, it's forever. That word means limitless and endless. It means it goes on and on. Micah the prophet, years ago, proclaimed this in the word of the Lord. Micah chapter 7, verse 18 and 19. He said, who is a God like you? That's a great statement. Who pardons the iniquity and passes over rebellious acts of the remnant, remnant of your possession. He does not retain anger forever, but he delights in unchanging love. He will again have compassion on us. He treads our iniquities underfoot. And here it is. He cast them to the depths of the sea, the sin. He cast them into the depths of the sea. The imagery there to ancient Israel would have been real clear. It's the same imagery from the east to the west. He throws our sin to the depths of the seas. It means forever, endless, limitless. It goes on and on. God's forgiveness is infinite. This may mess you up a little bit, but it's not just now. It's not just to get you through today. It is now and forevermore. His forgiveness is infinite. It is the forgiveness of God that enables us to have the assurance of grace in heaven. Good night. Please hear me today. God's grace is yes for us today to live today. But man, it goes on and on and on. And that's a hard one to get our mind around. I'll make no mistake about it. But his grace and his forgiveness is forever. The last thing is this. It is complete and comprehensive. Now when I say that, uh, MacArthur makes this statement, and I love it. Jesus Christ, even though this forgiveness is undeserved, it is free and complete. Make, make no mistake. We have freedom from sin from now and forevermore. The sins in our past, our present, our future, in His name's sake, they are all forgiven. Hallelujah. He has forgiven us completely. The comprehensiveness of this forgiveness is seen in this statement that Paul said in here, in this scripture right here. How, do we, how does he demonstrate this forgiveness of sin? In accordance with what? The riches of his grace. The riches of his grace. His grace, like everything else of his attributes, is boundless. I mean, how much does God really love me and you? Limitless, right? How deep and rich is his grace? It's forever. Paul would go on to make statements like, Oh my goodness, if sin increases, grace even increases even more. God's grace. Oh my God, that'd make a good song. God's grace is sufficient. Sufficient. I mean, that's not even a good word. It means it abundantly supplies every need that we'll ever have in Christ. God's grace is amazing, humbling, and eternal forever and ever and ever. How can a child of God know the assurance of God's grace? Man, how do we know the assurance of heaven? Because God's grace is made manifest in us through the finished work of Christ on the cross. It is complete and comprehensive. It, it covers everything. Everything. Man, what a joyful, man, just a joy. Now, I know some of y'all are saying, can God really save somebody like me? Yes. I mean, I don't, I don't want to get to meddling, you know. We didn't know that in life groups this morning. 
Some of y'all were in my life group. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I've met lots of people who really wrestle with that question because maybe things in their past or things that they've come through, and they really begin to wonder, can God really love somebody like me? And I'm, I'm just, please hear me. If you don't hear anything else, I say yes. Not because of J.J., some preacher or something like that, but I'm telling you, God's grace. God, ha Listen, God has already declared with a megaphone, not how much he loves you. He didn't hold nothing back. The Bible said he didn't send somebody. He came himself and went to that cross. He died on your behalf. Let me just, I'm not trying to point to you, but I'm telling you, on your behalf. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. On your behalf. That's grace. How much does he love you? Infinitely. Is God able? Absolutely. Will he? Well, here's the deal. Second thing here is application of God's forgiveness. In other words, it's one thing to say, can God? Yes, I believe that. But how is it that God applies his forgiveness into our hearts? That's a great question. How does that happen? It's not by osmosis. It's not because your mom and daddy brought you to church. It's not because you even come to church per se. But I hope so. I hope God would apply his forgiveness into your heart. But here's the truth. Let's just look into the Bible. Here in this same context, in this same rich passage in Ephesians, verse 13 Paul makes this statement, and he, he says this in the conclusion of this little phrase, all this, all this rich things that God has done for us. Listen to this in verse 13. He says, and you also, listen to this, were included in Christ. How? When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Let me pause right here. There's only one way to be forgiven. There's only one way you'll ever have the assurance of heaven. Friend, this isn't me. This is Bible. This is what God has declared. It is through Christ alone, the gospel of your salvation. Please hear that. I know you, some of y'all have been hearing it since you were nine months in the womb. I get it. God, open our ears today to hear this afresh. How is this supplied into my life? It's only through one way, and it's through the gospel of our salvation. Now look at this. And it's not some like something you're looking to the cross. Say, oh yeah, I believe. Mm. There's a personal application. Listen to this. Having believed... In those two, that little phrase right there, it just reminds me of one of our greatest passages of Scripture, John 3.16. Y'all know it. I would ask Fisher, but I want to put him on the spot. I think he quoted it one Sunday. For God so loved... Yeah, no, just a few of you. That's not what he said, is it? God so loved the world. That means every single... I mean, that's a big word. Big word means all people, all places. God loves them. He's demonstrated that love. For God so loved the world that what? He gave his one and only son. And? Huh? Whosoever. Thank you, Randy. I appreciate that. I'm looking at you over there. Please, I hope you hear me. Because there's a lot of whosoever's in the house of the Lord this morning. Whosoever. It doesn't matter about your past. It doesn't matter about where you've been. It doesn't matter what you think about yourself in one way or another. I'm just telling you, whosoever believes. There's that word. Having believed. Trust. The word there in the Greek means to literally rely upon, trust in. It means to take one's life and put it into another. The application of God's forgiveness is real clear. You've got to hear the truth. You've got to hear the gospel. 
But you got to believe. you got to trust in Him personally as your Lord and Savior. you got to acknowledge that you need a Savior. Friend, if you never thought you needed Christ, then why would you want to come to Christ? But you've got to come to that point in your life where you acknowledge your need for forgiveness. A Savior. And you know what? There's evidence here. He says, having believed, you're marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Somebody will say, well, how do I know if I'm saved? Man, I'm telling you straight up, when the Holy Spirit of God inhabits your life, there's evidence of that. It's not mystical, it's practical. It's when Jesus becomes real to you, and it's not just some preacher up here, not just some singer up here. It's when God gets hold of your heart and changes you from the inside out. You don't have to have some preacher telling you a real man. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ in you is the hope of glory. Now, all of a sudden, God will do a work in you that will amaze you and change your life forevermore. In other words, he's bringing out evidence in you of the realness, of the authentication, I can even say the word, of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hearing, believing, and sealed. And this leads me to this. Because once we become a Christian, please hear this. It doesn't mean that you're perfect or that I'm perfect. It means that we're forgiven. Forgiven. I'm so grateful for that. And I'm going to say this. Make this statement. The continual need for cleansing of God's forgiveness. Don't make no mistake. He forgives, forgives us once and for all. And, and I mean, when we come to Christ, it is a clean sweeping of grace and salvation and blessed be the name of the Lord, the assurance of heaven, hallelujah, all that. But in this life, we also, there are times we sin and we turn away. We miss the mark. We mess up. We do all these things. And we need this continual forgiveness, this grace of the Lord, not for salvation, but for cleansingness. I mean, you know, listen, the Lord's Prayer, y'all remember this in Matthew 6 and in Luke 4? He taught the disciples, these are Christians, how to pray. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our sin, our debts. These are the believers, right? I mean, the whole picture of the foot washing in John chapter 13. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Go over there and read it in your Bible. When the Lord washes their feet at that last supper and he comes around to Peter, bless his heart. I love Peter. He said, Peter, he says, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. That's what he told the Lord. He said, don't do it. But the Lord spoke to him and said, look, Peter, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. In other words, he said, look, this symbolism of washing the feet is not just about humility. It's about reality. It's about as a Christian, we live this life and sometimes come exposed to sin and we need our feet washed just like walking in the first century in your sandals. You got your feet dirty. Now, I know some of y'all got them nice shoes on you cover up your feet. I get all that today and you're clean and you take them shoes up. But I'm telling you, in the first century, your feet were dirty. When you walked into a person's house, you got your feet clean. Your whole body was clean, but your feet were dirty. And sometimes walking in this life, the feet get dirty. And we need to come to Christ and say, God, cleanse me. God, forgive me. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a beautiful picture of God's grace, sustaining grace in our life today. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. Probably one of my favorite passages of scripture that I came across as a young man in the Lord. Listen to the word of the Lord. And y'all know this. Y'all probably, some of y'all probably can quote this. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. Here it is. Beautiful word of the Lord for us today. If we confess our sins. It's talking about believers. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And purify us from all unrighteousness. What a beautiful, beautiful Glorious scripture. Confess means to agree with God 
To confess, it means we agree with God about our sin. What about your sin? It's wicked, it's horrible, it's despising, and there's no place for that in the heart of a child of God who wants to live honorably under the Lord, whatever it may be. So we confess that. And I'm so grateful there's no end in His forgiveness, just like there's no end in His grace. In other words, there's no short supply. If you want to come unto the Lord, you can come unto Him and you can ask for His forgiveness and He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And I'm so thankful Paul uses that where He lavishes this on us with all wisdom and understanding. God's grace is lavished upon the child of God who will come before Him humbly asking for forgiveness. I mean, it's just a beautiful picture of God's grace in the gospel. Man, I hope we never get old to that. I'm telling you, it'll change your life. Forever. Change your situation, change your work situation, change your family life. Doesn't matter. God's grace, God's forgiveness cleanses us and changes us from the inside out. Now, now it leads me to this. This is where the rubber meets the road. The challenge that I'm going to say of God's forgiveness. MacArthur says it this way. The price of refusing to forgive others is high. Let me remind you in Luke chapter 4, I mean chapter 11. This is uh, Luke's uh, scripture of the, what we call the Lord's Prayer, right? In Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 11. Let me get that. I should have had it marked. Here we go. Chapter 11. Thank you. Verse 4. The disciples came to, him, came to him and said, Lord, teach us how to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said, okay, here, here it is. When you pray, Father, that's a key word, not judge. Father, that's... A, that's how you want you to address as a child of God, your heavenly Father. Hallowed, that means holy be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day your daily bread. Forgive us our sins. I said that earlier. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Thus the challenge of forgiveness. When I come to this part of this message, i got to be really honest. This is where the rubber meets the road in our lives. Preachers aren't exempt. Any child of God that has ever experienced the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, is called by God to forgive others. Why? Because it's in those moments that we represent Christ to the world and to the people that we see. We are called to forgive. Now, I will tell you, as Mark MacArthur said, the, the price of, unfor or, of not forgiving is high. Let me say it this way. Unforgiveness produces bitterness and animosity in, in our hearts. Refusing to forgive imprisons people in their past. Unforgiving people keep pain alive by constantly picking at it like an open womb. Keeping it from healing. Bitterness takes root in their hearts. Defiles them. Life is filled with turmoil and strife instead of joy and peace. The price of not forgiving others is high. Now, on the other hand, I mean, just real simply, forgiveness, hear me, frees people from the past. It's liberating. It's exhilarating. It's healthy. It's incredible. It's Christ-like. Forgiveness relieves tension and brings peace. Thanks be to God. And joy and restores relationships. I said this earlier quoted this scripture, Psalm 32. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins have been covered or atoned for. Blessed, that means happy. That means exhilarating, full of joy before God is the person whose sin, the Lord, does not count against them. 
Make no mistake. It's a challenge. It's real. But so is God's grace. Is real. And His grace is sufficient. Henry Blackerby makes this statement, and I'm going to move us to a close this morning. He made a statement in devotion not long ago. He says, whenever you struggle to forgive, you need to revisit what you were like when God first forgave you. Paul said it this way in Romans 12, in view of God's mercy. Church, here's what I want to invite you to do this morning. I mean, it's a strong, strong message, beautiful thing. When we talk about forgiveness, there's nothing greater to the soul that needs forgiveness. Then all of a sudden, once we receive that incredible forgiveness, God intends for me and you to share that with the people around us. And sometimes God just lets the rubber meet the road in our lives in ways that we had no idea that it would. We're not exempt. God still calls us to forgive others as Christ has forgiven you. So really, this morning, my heart's desire, we're going to to sing in just a moment, we're going to stand just a moment and sing a song, what can be called a song of invitation, a song of response. And be clear this morning, please hear me. God may be calling you to come to this altar, make an altar where you are, and maybe, maybe the Lord's even putting somebody on your heart right now, and you just need to come clean with the Lord and say, God, forgive me for holding or withholding forgiveness from this person. And so your response, please hear me, as a preacher of the Word of God, I believe when God's Word is presented, it calls us to respond. God's Word is is a beautiful, wonderful, glorious, sharper than a two-edged sword, and it knows how to cut us exactly how He needs to cut us. And that's a good thing. Please hear me. Don't run away from that. Why? Because God wants to set you free. So there may be some here today that just need, you know, there's a person on your heart right now that you have withheld forgiveness and right now God wants to release you from that and confess that to Him. You don't have to confess it to me. You confess it to the Lord. Say, God, forgive me. And say it. I forgive them, Lord. Not because you have to or you can within yourself, but because of the blood of Jesus has forgiven you. Just remember what you were before Christ came into your life. Now, in just a moment, in just a moment, we're going to have a song of response. Please hear me. There may be some of you here today, and you know. Please hear me. Lord's knocking. And today's the day. Why? Because today's always the day. If the Lord's knocking, you need to open the door of your heart and say, God, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I trust Jesus Christ alone as my Lord and Savior. There's some of you here today that know Christ personally, but you just need to refresh that, renew that in Christ today. In just a moment, we're going to come. I just want you to understand, this is a time to do business with the Lord. I want you to have freedom in here in the house of the Lord to come, to come to the Lord, to come to this altar, make an altar where you are. Friend, if you know you need to follow through believer's baptism, you come. If God's calling you, knocking on the door, you to come to plant your life here at Flint Hill, then come. Come. Father, we just want to thank you today. God, what a joy it is to be in your house. But Lord, it's challenging. I'm convicting your word. Thanks be to God for your forgiveness and your grace and your mercy that is new every day. 
I pray today, Lord God, that you would enable us to come unto you. God, you made a promise in your word, Lord, that any that are heavy laden and burdened, God, they can come unto you. And you, Lord Jesus, would give them rest, rest for their souls. God, would you help us to come to you right now, this morning, right here, and find rest. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you will, stand with me this morning, church. They're going to lead us in a song of invitation, a song of response. As they begin to sing, you come, you do business with the Lord this morning. I'll be here if you need me, but you just do business with the Lord this morning.